we're continuing a sermon series through the book of First Peter. Who, who is Peter? Well, if, if you are familiar with the New Testament at all, you, you know that Peter is one of the first disciples, and he's a guy who's a lot like you and I. Um, and why do I say that? Because he's kind of the everyday man. He, he wasn't the, the disciple who always had it all figured out. He wasn't the disciple who always said the right thing. Um, it, it's, it's funny that you'll see interactions with Jesus and Peter, and in one of the moments, Peter says, you are the Christ. You know, you are the, you are the Messiah, the anointed one, the, the one who's come to save. And then Jesus encourages Peter and says, blessed are you, you know, for it wasn't flesh that revealed it, it was the Holy Spirit that revealed this truth to you. And then in almost the same sentence, Peter says, don't, don't go to the cross. And then Jesus tells Peter, get thee behind me, Satan. He calls him Satan, the, the, the adversary. So you're like, just when you thought Peter was doing so well, uh, Jesus rebukes him. But I love Peter's example for us because he, he gives us hope. There's hope for you and me that we could be disciples of Jesus. And so this same Peter, who wasn't an educated man, who wasn't, you know, Jesus didn't pick Peter because he was like, wow, this guy is amazing. I got to have him on my team. It's just like you and me, where Jesus picks us in spite of our sin. Jesus picks us in spite of our flaws. And he says, it's not because you're so amazing. It's because of the love I have for you that I want to transform your life. And then Peter matures, and he writes this book to a group of Christians dispersed all over what is now modern-day Turkey, and says, and he encourages them and tells them, listen, you are not of this world. Even though your physical body lives here on the earth, your home, your ultimate home is heaven. And so in this book, he's teaching them and he's encouraging these Christians and, and saying, listen, don't forget when the world comes against you and when the world persecutes you and, the, and when the world misunderstands you and, and your stance and your love for me and when they hate you because they because you love me, don't get your knickers in a knot, you know, don't, that's the safest thing I can say, don't, don't get all upset, remember your hope is heaven, remember who your father is, your father is in heaven, remember this, this anchor, we, the first week we talked about, the anchors of hope that we have as exiles and sojourners, and last week we talked about a, what a great salvation that we've been given, and this week we're going to talk, look at the, it's, it's the charge that Peter now gives us. And so we're going to look at the, the idea of holiness. Now, here's the thing about holiness. Is like, what does that word really mean? It's kind of a hard word to like unpackage. Uh, people sing about it. Even unbelievers sing. What's that song? I'm high on loving you. I have to sing with a Texas accent because it's... <laughs> I think it's a country western song, right? You are the first time I heard that song, I was like, "Wow, these guys are singing a worship song." You are holy, holy. I'm high on loving you, and you're like, "Oh, they're singing about a girl." You know, that's really weird. But the world has all these different. You know, most of us think holiness is like a bunch of church people who marinate in lemon juice from Monday to Saturday, right? And they're just sour, and they're just like, that's what that means, marinating in lemon juice. Okay. And, and they're just uptight and like, you know, you remember Dana Carvey's church lady, you know? It's like, that's what people think of holy. 
Um, they, think of, they think of like people who are just looking down their noses at everyone. And although holiness does have to do with morality and purity and goodness, uh, the idea of holiness, especially with the way that the, the Bible understands holiness, is not just you know, being good, but it's about being different. It's about being set apart. It's about being separated from. And when Peter, you, uh, when Peter encourages us as sojourners to be holy, it's really coming into alignment with what he's already saying. He's saying, you're holy, you're set apart, you're, you're people who are different than the ways of the world. Remember, your home is not this earth, it's heaven. Remember that God has called you to walk in a particular way, even a way that may seem strange. Um, kind of a good example to understand what holiness is or what is holy is to think about the sun. And I don't mean S-O-N, S-U-N, our, our sun in our solar system. You know, the sun, there's nothing like it. Nothing. I mean, yes, we could say the star, we see stars and we know that the sun is a star. But within our solar system, there is nothing like the sun. It gives light, it gives warmth on a cold day like this morning melts the frost off the, off the roofs and off your car windows. It, it, it lets the plants grow, it, and, it, and it gives light where there's darkness. There's nothing like it in our solar system. But yet, if you get too close to the sun, what happens? You turn into ash, right? All those movies where the spaceship's trying to get away from the sun, the gravity's pulling it in. This is where my mind goes. I don't know. Sorry. <laughs> Put it into warp drive! And they could barely break away. Why? Because while the sun is beautiful, while the sun gives life, it is, it is, in its essence, it is so other than anything else. And God is in, just like the sun. Now, I know that's not a, a perfect illustration because there's nothing really to refer to God. He is unto himself. You think of Moses in the burning bush. He has this encounter with the holiness of God, and God says, Moses, take off your sandals, for the ground with which you stand is holy, because the, the uncleanliness of your feet and, and where you've trod and, and where you've walked and you know, you've, you've picked up impurity, and so you need to take off the sandals of your feet, but, but don't get too close, because my otherness will conflict with who you are, and if you get too close, you'll drop dead. And so we have to understand that when Peter's calling us to be holy, he's not just calling us to a life that is pure and a life that is morally good, but he's calling us to a life that is other than the world around us. So let's read it this morning. 1 Peter, we're going to start in verse 13 and read to 21. And he says this to us this morning, to us exiles, to us sojourners. Therefore... Preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance, but as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct, since it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy." And if you call on him as father who judges impartially according to each one's deeds, conduct yourselves with fear throughout the time of your exile, knowing that you were ransomed from the feudal ways inherited from your forefathers, 
not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. He was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but was made manifest in the last times for your sake, who through him are believers in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory, so that your faith and hope are in God. Let's pray this morning. God, we thank you for the truth that you are a holy God, that there's no one like you, no other religion, no other faith, no other thing, no other person in the universe is like you. You are, you are holy. And we thank you that that is true of you, God. This is not a, something we've made up, but this is the true character of who you are, and yet, in that same vein of you being holy, God, you call us to be holy. For those of us this morning who identify as Christians and who have put our hope and our trust in Jesus as our Lord and Savior, your call to us is to be holy. And sometimes we mess that up. Sometimes we don't even really understand what that means. And I pray that this morning, Holy Spirit, will you come and help us to understand what it means to live a holy life, what it means to... Um, be other than the world. What it means to be set apart for you, God. So we, this morning, we surrender our hearts to your word and to your leading. And we, we can do this by the precious blood of Jesus Christ. And so it's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. You'll notice that in the first, the first word that Peter says here is therefore. Okay? Now if you've been in church for five days at all, you've probably heard pastors always talk about, what's the therefore, therefore, right? Well, the therefore is basically, it's verses 1 through 12, what Peter's saying here. So what we've done the past two weeks is we've expanded on those, those, those first 12 verses, and we've given us hope. We've given us a, a reason why we've been set apart. We've, we've thanked God for the work that he has done. Now you'll see where we start to get down where the rubber meets the road, so to speak, with First Peter. And what Peter does is he gives us this first intro, verses 1 through 12, and he says, God has done all this for you. It wasn't your work. You did not save yourself. It was the blood of Christ who did the work in you. And he's finished it. He's accomplished it. He's secured it. He's given you an anchor, and the salvation is great. Therefore, see, now all of a sudden it, tanks, it takes a turn. And what Peter does is because of that, now this. And there is a bit of us doing what Peter's calling us to. He's not just saying, okay, God's done all the work, now you just sit back on your lazy boy with a Miller Lite and watch football all day. What he's saying is, there is God's done all this work, so therefore, there's work to be done. Now, I'm not preaching this morning salvation by works, okay? We're still hanging on to the truth that we are saved by the grace of God. But what Peter in his word therefore is, He's, he's, he's encouraging us because of what's been done for us. Now, if you continue in here, you'll see that he says this in verse 12. Therefore, what? Preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded. Set your hope fully on the grace that would be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. And this is my first point this morning in holiness, is that there's a holy thinking. There's a holy thinking that comes along 
with holiness. So if Peter is, has given us this foundation of salvation and, and encouragement to our faith as sojourners, and then the, he makes the shift a little bit here and he says, therefore, what is he calling us to do in holiness? He says, it's not just what you do in your body, it's, not, it's, it's also the way you think. Now, let me just unpackage this a little bit, and I think this is really interesting. This preparing your minds for action, the, the literal translation of this is to gird up the loins of your mind. Now, what the heck does that mean? Gird up the loins of your mind. We think of loins as like, you know, the mid area. It's like, this is getting a little personal here, Peter. What are you talking about? Well, what Peter's talking about here is, you ever seen like a biblical movie, Jesus Times? What did all the people, they wore these big robes. And what they would do is they, in order to keep this robe from like going all over the place, they wore a belt. But if you were going to go to battle, or if you're going to do something that required you to kind of run or do something aggressive, I, I've never worn a dress before. Well, actually, that's not true. I did one, <laughs> one time in Halloween. <laughs> you know you go through those phases when, when you're a kid. Anyways, but to try to run, <laughs> can you uh, scratch that from the recording back there? <laughs> you ladies, if you're going to try to run, you're probably not going to go to the gym in a long dress. Why? It's going to get caught between your legs. So what Peter's saying here, is, when he says, gird up the loins of your mind, he says, prepare your minds for action. He's saying what, the, what they would do during the times of war or battle or whatever they had to do that was, you know, required a lot of oomph, is he'd say, grab all that up, all the parts that are flopping all around, and get that belt and tuck it in there so that your legs are free. What he's really saying is like, put spanks on your thoughts. <laughs> Some of you are laughing because you know what spanks are. But that's what spanks do. If you don't know what spanks are, it's basically, it gets all the parts that kind of hang out. <laughs> and it tightens it up. And it makes it look like you're all together. So that you can run. And so Peter's saying, forget the former ways of the way you used to think. Forget that. Gird up the loins of your mind. Tighten it up. And what is he really saying? He's like, remember the truth of, of the gospel. Because, see, a lot of us here this morning, we could go away from this sermon and go, okay, Kelly encouraged me that I got to be holy. And so I'm going to go do. I'm going to go and, like, be holy this week because, you know, we're supposed to be holy. And every time that I'm tempted to do something, oh, no, 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 don't do that. And what he's really saying is, in order to think holy, we have to remind ourselves of the, truth of the truths of the gospel. See, what I love what, what Peter's doing in the first verse, uh, verses in 1 to 12 is that he's giving us the indicatives of the gospel, the truths of the gospel, so to speak. He's telling, he's giving us a foundation. He's saying, here's the truths. Here's, you were a sinner saved by grace. It wasn't your works that you did this. It wasn't your own initiative. God was the initiator. And that's us thinking and going, remembering the truths of the gospel. Gird up the loins of your mind. Remember this truth. Don't think it was because you, did, you were so wonderful and so perfect that God chose you. It was in spite of that. Remind yourselves of the truths of the gospel. But he doesn't stop there. He says, now put fuel on the fire of the imperatives of the gospel. 
He's saying, remember the truths of the gospel that you were saved, but use that and let it add fuel to the imperatives. Often we get it the other way around. We think, I have to do in order to be. And what we're going to see here in this next point is that we be in order to do. So check this out. Look at verses 14 through 16. He says, as obedient children, notice he uses the word of family, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. Remember when you, 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 weren't, sa- you weren't saved, you weren't uh, regenerated, the Holy Spirit hadn't changed you, you weren't saved by grace yet. Don't, don't be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance, what your flesh gave into, but here it is in verse 15, as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Since it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. Now, again, if you have a religious mindset, your mind goes, whoa. What? Be holy like God is holy? That's impossible. Right? I mean, I've tried it. It lasts for like 10 seconds. (laughs) But what Peter is not saying here, he's not saying do so that you can become. He's saying you are, so act up of who you already are. Um, you guys ever hear of uh, like 23andMe or um, Ancestry.com or there's a bunch of these things where, I mean the world right now is enamored with our, our DNA. We all want to know our history and our background. And it's fitting because Americans were what, the melting pot of the world. People, we all are mixed all together and, you know, I have no clue what my DNA would say. I have a guess because I know that my dad is Korean, so I'm half Korean. Then my mom is like, I don't know. She's all these other things. So I've been tempted to kind of send that in and find out, you know. So what they make you do is you spit, I think, in this little vial. And it's vile, right? But I'm bummed. Okay, they, you spit in this thing, and then they, you, they send your, your DNA away to a lab, and the lab comes back, and what they do is they look for these things called variants, all right? Now, 99.5% of the human population is identical. It's the 0.5% that they're looking for in the difference, in the DNA, which that lets us know, like, this is why you have a tiny nose or a big nose or big ears or little ears or... Why you got a big belly or, you know, like me, I got a long torso and really short legs. I'm like, what are those dogs? The corgi. I'm like a corgi. (laughs) Why am I like that? Because my dad was like that. Why was he like that? Because his dad was like, my, I also, when I was growing up, I, I don't wear shorts very often, but my calves, I, they're thick. I have like cankles. It just goes straight all the way down. And I had friends who used to call me tree trunk as a kid because of my legs. My son, Samuel, has the same legs. Why? Because my DNA is passed on to my son. He is what he is because I made him that way. And so what Peter's saying to us this morning, his, his challenge to us as sojourners, when he says, be holy as I am holy, Like, God, oh my gosh, how can we do that? It's not a works-based thing. It's a being thing. Because if God has already changed us, 
hey, children, he uses the word of family, then he's, what he's really encouraging us to do is he's saying, don't try to live like the way you were before you were transformed. He's reminding us not to go back to the old ways. It's like we had some gene therapy done to us. And, and you know, there was this, oh, there was a cancer gene found. And so, you know, this gene scientist doctor was able to remove this cancer from our DNA. And what, what Peter's saying, so to speak, is like, don't go live the same way you were when, before that, that gene was removed. He said, you've been transformed, you've been changed. Be holy like I am holy. Live in who you are. Why would you go back to your old ways? Why would you go back to your old passions of the flesh when you've been made a new creation, you've been transformed? And so often the temptation is for us to live like the way of the world. Because we're sojourners, we're living in the world, but we're not of it. But it's easy for us to kind of assimilate it's easy for us to just go back to the wake because that's going with the flow. Or look at all this nice stuff I can get when I start acting like the world. And Peter comes back and he's when he's reminding us and saying, you're not of this world. You're in it, but you're not of it. Be holy. Be other. Be different. Be set apart. Remember who you are. Therefore, being sober-minded, girding up the loins of your mind. Don't do what the world does. Don't act like the world does. Remind yourselves of the truth of the gospel, that you've been set apart, that you've been changed and transformed. This is hard stuff to do because our default is to want to go toward religion. Don't you feel better about yourself and your relationship with God when you had a, like, a really good week morally. I know I do. You know, you come in here on Sunday, if you've had a, a, a really morally good week, you feel like, man, I could sing these songs without feeling ashamed. I could say hi to somebody and have a smile and not feel, I feel confident. And then if you've had a morally bad week, you walk in here and kind of like, dog with a tail between the legs. It's hard not to default to there because our flesh wants to feel good about ourselves because we did it. But the truth of the gospel is we can never be more holy or less holy than we are if we put our hope in Jesus. Because our holiness is Jesus Christ who paid the price for us. Every other religion out there is going to tell you, you have to do this. You've got to make it happen. You can get to the next level of holiness if you just do this many, so many things but not our faith. Not our faith. And the beauty about that, it can't be taken away from us. Nobody on the outside, nothing we do, no one can take it from us. What else does Peter encourage us with in holiness? Look at verse 17. He says this, And if you call on him as Father who judges impartially according to each one's deeds, Look at this. Conduct yourselves with fear throughout the time of your exile. What? Now, Kelly, didn't you just say, like, this isn't us doing this? Didn't you say it was grace? Didn't you just say, no one can take this away from us? 
not even our own sin? Why would Peter, in the same thought, tell us to be holy and encourage us, encourage us that this is a being, not a doing? This is not just moral behavior. Why would he then say, conduct yourselves with holy fear throughout the time of your exile, throughout this short season we call life as sojourners on this earth? Why would he say that? Um, you ever been to school with a friend or you knew somebody whose dad was the principal of the school? Or you knew that kid? Or maybe it's like a preacher's, pastor's kid? You ever, like, have disdain for those kids? <laughs> Sorry, Michaela. <Yeah. laughs> we love you. And, and this isn't true of all kids like that, but, you know, they're like those snotty-nosed kids who could just, hey, my, do you, it's like, you know, the celebrities, like, you know who I am? You know, you're going to give me a ticket? Don't you know who I am? And the pastor's kid or the principal's kid, don't you know who my dad is? And they kind of feel like they could just do whatever they want and get away with it, because my dad won't care. See, what Peter is warning us against is although the principal, the pastor, the CEO, whatever it is, may be our dad, he's reminding us not to act like the snotty-nosed little kid who just walks around arrogantly. So why would he say there's this fear? So what he's not saying is, hey, God's a big giant ogre, and he's waiting to squash you if you mess up. He's always just brooding over you, you know? Like, like Islam teaches us uh, that, that God is a, a just and harsh God, and that you have to walk a certain way so that when you, when you die, you know, Allah is going to weigh up your good deeds and your bad deeds. And if your good deeds outweigh your bad deeds, he will literally put them on the scale then you will be accepted into paradise. It's so weird that we adopt that same understanding of our faith into Christianity. It's not that way. God is not like, well, okay, you messed up. One demerit. It's going down in the internal records. Angel, you know, Gabriel, make sure, did you get that? Oh, oh, oh I got it, you know. No, God is not some giant ogre. So we don't fear him that he's going to smash us like a bug because we messed up. But there should be this holy reverence for who God is and honoring of our dad. I was just at a, at a birthday party not too long ago for uh, somebody who had turned 75. And he was the patriarch of the family. And we all got together, and I thought it was so strange. All of the family was there, the siblings, grandkids, cousins, all got together around the dinner table not one person honored this man. They all, we all just ate. And it wasn't my plate, because it wasn't my family. But I was like, I want to stand up, and I don't even really know this guy that well, but I want to stand up and just honor someone who turned 75. That's a big deal. But everyone just, I mean, he kind of sat there by himself. And I thought, no one honored this man, whether he was honorable or not. And so sometimes when we do the same thing with God, we kind of go, well, I've been saved. God will turn a blind eye to my sin. Kelly said it can't be taken away from me because the precious blood of Christ keeps it. So I can kind of just do whatever I want. And it's like we snub our nose 
what Jesus has done for us when we act that way. Why should we live in holy fear and conduct ourselves with holy fear? Because we love our Father. Don't you want to please your dad? I mean, some of us, that, that might be hard because, you know, you may have grown up with a bad dad who is not honorable. But we have a perfect dad. We have a perfect Heavenly Father. And we should want to please Him. Now, the other side of that coin is, yeah, He is God. He is holy. And like the sun, you get too close, you get burned up. Like Moses, God says, don't get too close. Who is that in Acts? Ananias and Sapphira. There's two people in the church, sold their possessions, lied about the money. I think it was Peter who said, well, see ya, and they dropped dead on the floor. And the ushers of the church, so to speak, carried him out and buried him. I mean, I think on one end, we, we don't need to fear God like he's going to kill me and squash me. But we need to fear God. He is God. And we often act like the big guy up there. You go into Urban Outfitters and see Jesus is my homeboy t-shirts. He's not your homeboy. He is God. We need to respect him. Last thing. Not only we have a holy fear, but we have holy gratitude. Look at verse 18 through 19. Peter says this. He says, Knowing that you were ransomed from the feudal ways, inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with what? The precious blood of Christ. Like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. It's interesting that Peter would use something that is known for as one of the highest values that we've ever had in history. Silver and gold. The standard of what we consider our monetary, well, not anymore, but it's the purest thing. It's what men covet. It's what we all want in our storehouses. It's what the radio tells you to buy because the dollar's going down, right? Is gold. But Peter says that the blood of Christ is more precious than silver or gold. And we've been bought with that. What does that mean for us in our gratitude? It doesn't mean that when Jesus paid the price for our sin, it doesn't mean that he went and scrounged up some gold and found it in the earth. And it was easier for him because he's God and he knows where all the gold is. And so what he did is he went to Satan and said, here, I paid the price with gold. No, what he did was he paid the price with something that was way more precious. And that was his own blood. And so often, we just kind of think of it as like, the story we've heard over and over and over. We do communion. We're about to do communion now. We do it every Sunday. And it just becomes, yeah, got it. But when we understand the price that was paid for us, that a holy God, 
a God who is not like us in any way, shape, or form, became one of us and paid the price, not with what we think is precious, but what is ultimately precious, the blood of Jesus. There's gratitude that wells up in us. I don't know where you're at this morning. I don't know if you've, you're a Christian and you're continuing to live in what Peter says, your former ignorance. I don't know if that's a struggle. I don't know if you're, you, you misunderstand the faith as a Christian and you view this faith as a works-based thing. You view it as your holiness is how well you did this week or not. My, my call, my charge to you this morning is surrender to the truth of the gospel. That in spite of your sin, Jesus saved you. And it's not based on your works. And your holy living is not based on how many orphans how many, how much money you gave to the church. It's not based on how many times you paid it forward this week. It's based solely on the blood of Jesus. Or maybe you're not a believer here this morning and you haven't, you don't understand this differentness, this otherness, and it's foreign to you and it's weird. And the understanding of being holy is the same what some Christians misunderstand sometimes and you, you think, well, if, if I'm going to be a good person, if I'm going to better myself, if I'm going to be the best version of myself I can be, I have to live a certain way. Let me tell you this morning that apart from Christ, there is no other way. No other way. Will you guys stand with me this morning?